0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney
1: getting down to the heart of the matter. Of course, shoplifting from stores is stealing, and should I tell you, it is a crime. Say amen, somebody. Y'all know that. That's a crime. That will get you thrown in the slammer. (laughs) Amen. Okay, that's a crime. Listen to this. I recently read, there is approximately $8 billion per year stolen from department stores. 10% of it's due to clerical errors, 30% to shopping, 60% or $16 million a day to theft by employees. Millions of dollars in cash per day are stolen from cash registers. Millions of dollars, which, by the way, side note, why our culture, why the world is going toward, have you noticed, a cashless society? You can go to some stores now. It is easier to use your ATM, to use your credit card than it is. That happened to me one time. A lady said, I I can't take cash because I can't change it. You got an ATM. It is easier to use a credit card or some type of automated system to pay for anything. We are moving to a cashless society. Why? Because one of the many reasons Revelation chapter 13, if you're interested in a detailed study on the mark of the beast as it relates to uh, some of these end time events. But we are moving toward a cashless society and a cashless society will be welcome because it's just easier and the potential for theft is a lot lessened of money being lost and Uncle Sam not being able to get his cut on it. So people are going to welcome in the end times, in the last days of which I believe we're living in. Somebody say amen. We're living in the last days. But $16 million a day, that's amazing. But, but money spent uh, uh, th- thinking it through of, of some aspects of stealing, talking about stealing that perhaps you haven't thought of. Do you show up to work late and leave early? And by the way, I should, I should let you know here, it's going to get really ugly and convicting for us all. I don't even like this part of my sermon. I got to teach it and convict myself. <laughs> I read this to my wife, and she says, gosh, that's convicting. We actually do that. I'm like, yeah, we got to (laughs) stop. As of this day, we're stopping. (laughs) But, hey, here's the stealing. I mean, that's stealing time. You leave early or you show up to work late. Do you take extra long lunches, extra long breaks? How about looking up some personal stuff on the computer at work time? You know, cheating on someone's test paper. Maybe you're in school and cheating on someone's test paper. That's stealing, stealing grades. You know, I remember when I was a kid. I have to fess up here. I remember when I was a kid, um, and this just came back to me. This thing's just come out of from nowhere. And I remember t- changing uh, a D on my report card to a B. And I, my mom said, what is that? I said, oh, it's a B. <laughs> Be like in boy. Be like in bravo. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a B. She said, that looks more like a D. I said, no, mom, it's a B. And you know, moms know when you're lying. You know what I mean? written <laughs> all of your face. You can't get away with it. And I just remember she tore me up. <laughs> just, kids do the craziest thing. Like, that's supposed to work. You know what I mean? I've got, well, I don't know. I won't even tell you which one, but, I mean, I've had kids write notes to the teacher from me. You know, spelling, you know, uh, stick up wrong. You know what I mean? Or something. It's like, what do you think? But those kinds of things, I mean, it's stealing. How about, how about this? You're at work. Big online bill-paying culture we live in. And you pay your bills online while you're working. People do this. This is stealing. How about allowing a friend to use your employee discount? We'll just move right along. How sad! <laughs> Somebody needs to say amen. We in church. We have to tell the truth. And uh, yeah, But it's true. I mean, things like that, that's stealing, stealing from IRS. You know, some people think, some people actually feel justified in stealing for, from IRS. They say, well, you know what? They got enough already. You know, I, I'm not, I don't need to claim that. Or you get cash and and all of these kinds of things, or you or you take extra write offs. All of these kinds of things are stealing. You know how about when the cashier gives you extra change and you don't give it back? Mmm. You know, think about that, and think about this. What a witness it would be if she gave you extra change and you or he. Okay, and. <laughs> And you took it back. What a witness would that be? Wouldn't that be an awesome witness? Y'all look alive. Yeah, shake your head. All right? Wave at me if you agree with me, okay? Some of y'all don't. That's all right. I mean, I think that would be a really cool witness. And you just go back in and say, hey, you know, you gave me an extra 100 bucks. I mean, you know. I feel like I'm preaching a sermon that nobody's going to even do. Everybody's gonna go away and go, yeah, that was nice anyway. Call a friend of my girl, you got that discount tomorrow, I'll be right by there. <laughs> well, I'm working here, people. <laughs> Anyways, but I mean, it's true. What a witness would that be? Or, or, you know, or like, or how about when you get to a restaurant and, and the bill is incorrect in, in your favor? Like, you know, they didn't charge you for that steak entree. But, you, you know, you didn't say, ma'am, you know what? You forgot to charge me an extra $35. <laughs> you forgot. You never do that. But it's a very interesting thing, because if you get your bill and they charge you for an extra piece of bread, <laughs> you'll be like, oh, get over here. <laughs> oh, you gonna fix this? That's seventy-two cent more than I need to be paying. (laughs) Isn't it weird how we are? I mean, it really is. I mean, Christians are something else. You know, we got to think about our witness. I mean, of these kinds of things, all of these things are stealing. How about this? You can steal someone's virginity. That's not so funny. Not funny at all. You can steal someone's dignity. You can steal someone's respect. All of these things, I think as we look at the Ten Commandments, do you understand my point? If you look at the Ten Commandments and you just say, well, I don't steal, well, then you just keep glossing over them until you get down to the bottom, and then you go, well, I've never done any of those ten. That's God's top ten, and I've never done any of those, so I must be righteous. (laughs) And then you go away feeling all self-righteous, but then if you go back and you go, well, now, wait a minute. Have I ever left early when I wasn't supposed to leave? Did I take a pen out of the office and I really shouldn't have taken up?" I mean, these kinds of things, you might think they're insignificant and silly, but the reality is it's stealing. You can call it what you want, slice the dice or whatever you want to do. It's stealing. Period. And if you look at the law from that standpoint, well, now we all become guilty. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus always seeks to get to. Otherwise, everybody walks around and feels more righteous, and then we start comparing ourselves to, uh, to another. Well, you broke nine of them. I only broke eight. I'm more righteous than you because I've only broken eight. You've broken nine. Versus, hey, wait a minute. Don't compare yourself to one another. You won't compare yourself to somebody. You compare yourself to Jesus. Don't compare yourself against me because you probably look a whole lot better than me. And I'm going to look a whole lot better than all y'all. I'm mean, just, you know, just, just kidding. Just kidding. But you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we can, we can do that. You, know, you can look at the commandments and you can do that. Or you can get to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. And that's what Jesus does. And so he says, don't steal from one another. Point number one, our second and final point, you can steal from God. How so, Rodney? Listen, if you're taking notes, you write this down. Three ways of which you can steal from God. Three ways, maybe not in this order, but three ways you can steal from God. Number one, you guessed it, money. Number two, service. And then thirdly, your heart. You can steal money, service, and your heart. Now, as you study the Bible, give me your attention. As you study the Bible, we have been through Malachi chapter three, verse eight. Malachi, if you're Italian. (laughs) Malachi chapter three, verse eight. And why don't you just read it with me for the fun of it? Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? Now listen, if you want an in-depth teaching on tithing, go to the bookstore. We may have some ready for you. If not, order it. I would encourage you to if you have not heard a teaching on tithing, we don't focus on tithing here. We don't focus on offerings here. People each week ask me, how do you give to this church? There are boxes on the back wall. If you like to leave something, that's fine. We deal with money. We deal with tithing as it comes up in the scriptures. Amen, saints? And that's the way we deal with that. But there are a lot of people who love this verse, and actually this is one of those verses that is often misread and, and, and equally misunderstood. I mean, people and pastors love to pound the pulpit and say, "Everyone who comes to church needs to give 10 percent of their income based on Malachi 3:8, and if they give 10 percent, then they'll be blessed, and if they don't give 10 percent, well then they won't be blessed. People like to say that and like to use that. And I've said this before, and I've boldly said this, and actually when I've said this even publicly, um, people kind of, you know, rebuff and and refute what I'm saying. But, you know, I I believe, honestly, and you get the CD and you listen for yourself, but but, but I believe that if you take this passage and you teach it that way, that you're going to be blessed if you give 10% of your income, I believe that is shallow and naive and completely misses the point of Malachi 3.8. Now, I know that's not the popular position. Uh, I know that most people, especially in ministries, would, would totally disagree with me. But I believe the Bible is true. And I believe as you study the scriptures, you can see that the New Testament, are you listening? The New Testament does not teach tithing. The New Testament teaches more than tithing. It really does. The New Testament teaches not the principle of tithing. The New Testament teaches the principle of giving. What do you mean, Rodney? First Corinthians chapter 16, verse two, on the first day of the week, it says, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collections when I come. Leave that verse there for a minute, would you? On the first day of the week, let each one of you, note the saints, lay something aside. You see, when we come to church, this is the New Testament principle of giving, not tithing. When we come to church, we are to give something Notice he says, lay something aside. That implies that you are to prepare it before you come to church. In other words, tonight, after, before you leave, you take some of those offering envelopes and you take them home. And you prepare whatever it is the Lord is laying on your heart. And when you come to church, drop it in the box on you discreetly, too, by the way. Amen. Amen. You don't blow the trumpets. Come in with the marching man. Da 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 da. da. Hey, everybody <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, you're to do this discreetly, but you're to lay it aside. When you give, you're to give something on the first day of the week. That means give it weekly. Every week you should come with something to drop in the box. And honestly, there are some people who can give $1 and there are some people who can give $1 million. Not that many of those, but (laughs) with the God. But no. But you're to lay something aside. I mean, there are people who can give 90% of their income and can afford to live off of 10% of their income. There are some people like that. I've told you before, get this, did you know? The founder of Quaker Oats decided as a young man to keep 10% of his income and give 90% of it to God. And Quaker Oats is still a major company and supplier today. Multi-multi-million dollar industry. Get this, the founder of Hershey Chocolate determined 10% of every dime and nickel was going to go to the Lord. The president and founder of Wrigley's Gum, same thing. I've told you this story, let me tell you again. Around the turn of the century, there was a guy who owned a fledgling business, and he said, Lord, I know it's important to tithe, but as far as the profits of my little business go, I'm not going to give you 10%. I'll keep 10%. And from this day on, he said, as long as I live, you, Lord, will receive 90% of the profits of this company. And he became a multi-multi-millionaire on 10% of his income. And he is the founder of the department store chain, Lord & Taylor. Did y'all know that? Isn't that great story? And he named it Lord for the Lord and Taylor. You see, this man, he had a gift of giving, and the Lord laid that on his heart. And everybody can't do that, but the Lord laid that on his heart, and God honored that. So we're to give something. The New Testament principle is giving, not necessarily tithing. And when you give to the Lord, God will always give to you. Don't you know that God will never, ever, ever owe you anything. And if God ever owes you anything, you, my friend, will be the first. Say amen. Amen. If you know what I'm saying, can I get a witness? (laughs) He's never owed me anything. God has owed me nothing. You know, people talk about what great faith we have. We came here and all that God has done in our lives and all that we gave up and all of these things. And don't misunderstand me. Yes, it takes faith to do anything for God. And if you're going to do something great for God, then you're going to have to take a great step of faith. And that's fine. But I've done nothing that God didn't give me the faith to do. I've done nothing God didn't give me the faith to do. And therefore, he owes me nothing. And he has repaid me over and 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 over. God has paid me over and over and over again. He owes me nothing. I am still a debtor to him. So you don't have to steal from God. Don't steal from others and don't steal from God because God will give to you. God will bless you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but this I say, Paul says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves, did you get that? A cheerful giver. Isn't that true? When you're giving something to God, Give it cheerfully, by the way. When somebody gave you a gift, you wouldn't even want that gift if they gave you a gift and a hair. Well, I got this because I had to. It was Christmas and it was my duty. And I'm giving it to you. I hope you like it. You can't be like, well, man, I'll, I'll take that back. I don't even want it now. I mean, why would you want to give Somebody's giving it to you grudgingly. And why do you think God wants your money if, if you're being forced to give it? Or you're giving it grudgingly. You know, if, if, if you've ever given something to God, you know, I, I've, I've told you before, you know, here at the church, if you've ever in 2006, if you've ever financially given and you felt compelled to give, then you see Pastor Charles and we'll be happy to give you a check up to a certain dollar amount. <laughs> no, but we shouldn't give <laughs> grudgingly. Amen. We don't want to give because we feel like we have to. The Bible says that we should give cheerfully. You give cheerfully. You can rob God not only of money. Again, you want to pick up Malachi 3 if you're interested. You want to you can rob God of, of money. Listen, you can also rob God by God by refusing to give him your service. You can rob God. You know, so many of us have different gifts and talents in this church. This is an unbelievably talented church. And we all need to collectively use our gifts for the glory of God. We all need to pull together and use the gifts and the talents that God has given to us. And when you don't take your part in the body of Christ, because remember the body is many members, yet one body. So you got a head, you got hands, you got an eye, you got feet, you got legs. There's many members to the body. And the person who's the foot can't be the eye. Amen. And the person who's the foot, you know, how would you look if you had a foot like attached right here? I mean, it would be kind of crazy. And what if you your eye was like on your ankle? All you would see is everything down there. I mean, it would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Every part of the body has to take its place. And that's why God is giving gifts to the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12. God has given many gifts for the use and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And when we take our gifts and we use them for the kingdom of God, we, we, we further the kingdom and we make the kingdom of God more beautiful that way because everybody's taking their part and taking their place in the body. But when we refuse to use our gift, well, then the body goes lacking. It'd be just like if I lost my right hand. I'm a right-handed person. If I lost my right hand, that would be terrible. I wouldn't have a struggle. I'd have problems because I'm used to using my right hand and I need my right hand. And when people don't use their gifts, you're robbing God because he gave you that gift. And I don't care what you do, whatever you do, whether you sing or you write or like mom Cindy bakes and she bakes good stuff. Amen. (laughs) And she, you know, and she uses that. And I love that. And people, you know, do decorating, and this place is always beautiful, don't you think? The church is always really, really, really nice, and, you know, praise the Lord for that. There's a person who uses their gift for that, and there are people who do various things in the body. We could go on and on, and it's important that we use our gifts to bless each other and to build up the body of Christ, and when we don't do that, we're squandering the gift that God has given you. Whatever your gift is, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, you find all of these places where God is giving gifts to the church. And you rob God when you don't use your gift in service to the Lord. You understand. And then finally, you rob God certainly when you don't give him your heart. I don't care whether you're a believer or you're not. Even if you're not a believer, you're holding on to your heart, you're robbing God. Because Jesus died for you. Jesus died that you might live. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like that of silver and gold, but you were redeemed, that word redeemed means to buy back. It means to buy out of a slave market. And God bought us out of the slave market of sin. He bought us back. And, and, and he bought us with his precious blood. That word precious means it's, it's, it's without value. Jesus' blood is without value. Somebody say amen. You can't put a price on his blood. It's more valuable than the hope diamond. And he bought you with that blood. And even if you're not a Christian, you've been bought with that blood. He purchased you. And when you hold on to your heart, you rob God of your heart because he died for you. You understand? You can rob God with your money. You can rob God with your service. And you can rob God with your heart. Let us not. Ephesians, I close with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says this, Let him who stole steal no longer. Let us, all of us who have stolen, steal no longer. I don't think that just simply means you stole a piece of candy. I think that means many things. Holding on to your finances, holding on to your service, holding on to your heart, you can rob others and you can rob God. Let us from this night forward, not steal any longer because the 10 commandments tell us one of the 10 tell us you shall not what steal, steal no longer.